Welcome back, Crush A Lot Podcast. I'm your boy, Cheese. I know everyone's waiting for Kalina to return. She's not on this one. It's okay. Hit the link below. You could go check her out on our first YouTube video uh, right now, live with uh, Super Producer V-Don in the studio. Well, not, I'm not in the studio now, but in studio, um, you could catch her there. She'll be here on the next one. Um, but it's a very special time. In, in hip-hop, the, the next renaissance is, is pretty much full-blown going. And one of the things that's special about this time of hip-hop is the resurgence of buying physicals, which for me, as people who listen to the show, know I'm, I'm, I, loved, I loved it growing up. I'm older. I just turned 40. So I love physicals and vinyl in particular. And one of the pillars of this movement and buying vinyls in the in the hip-hop scene comes from a, a, a label called Loretta. If, you, if you're new to the game, you probably picked up on them or will. But Loretta has been making some of the best vinyl releases and some of the more um, impressive albums for a few years now. And I, I needed to go talk to, to the one-man team of Loretta because it's just an interesting time in the record vinyl release so I had to reach out so welcome to the show Justin also known as Observe Since 9-8 hope we call him Observe welcome to the show how you doing man man hanging in there is hot but I had to wear my hoodie uh, because I just want to feel like Brooklyn tough just in case but I'm, I'm sweating in this um, it's good to have you. What part of the world are you in right now? So I'm in the Midwest. I'm actually uh, in Madison with of all places. You could say I brought the party to me as opposed to going to the party. <laughs> You've had an interesting and, and one of the more high-level quality bodies of work for the last four to five years in this hip-hop game actually and i would even say right before this new movement came in you were right at the beginning of it with loretta and also as a producer with observes and as an artist um as as observe how does this hip-hop thing get into your blood how did you how were you introduced to hip-hop and when did you make the decision i gotta i gotta be a part of hip-hop somehow well in my mind, the story of Loretta is kind of a strange. Originally started in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and at that time, I was a rapper and I was really in. I was kind of a backpack rapper, battle rapper. I mean, that was that was my thing. I was never a street guy. Um, and I was really influenced by sort of the resurgence that happened. You know, so many resurgences in this, these scenes throughout the years. But. At that time, I want to say in the early 2000s, late 90s, we had this resurgence again to people going back to freestyling, going back to graffiti, going back to breaking. You were seeing it in the videos. Uh, people were being inspired by that again. And as I was growing up in the late 90s, I was really into Little Brothers. I was really into um, you know, some of the, the earlier Golden Age groups. That, that I came to know um, and was really into sampling. To me, 
I, I think the thing that was interesting about that time period was that it seemed like anybody could get into the music if they were willing to invest in the equipment and the time to learn how to do it. Um, you didn't need to take piano lessons, but you had to buy an MPC and you had to learn how to fucking use it. And then if maybe you got good at it, you know, you could be Q-Tip. You could be a Tribe Called Quest. You could be your heroes. Um, and I thought that was really cool. And so that's that's what started me in the scene. Um, and the only reason I got into rapping is because I wanted to hear people rap on my beats that I was making. And I didn't know a lot of rappers. The Madison scene was infancy. You know, we had a couple decent crews, but it was Wisconsin. So there wasn't, you know, a lot going on. A, a big event here was when, you know, Atmosphere came through um, to perform, like in those time periods, or hi hieroglyphics uh, would come out here quite often. Um, so that was the shit that I grew up on. That that was what inspired me, um, you know, and that that's where things sort of started was in that time period. It, I find hip hop, that's one of the things I love about hip hop that you shared and I find fascinating is, the entry point is is pretty wide open for everybody, but there's no one way to do it. Everyone does it differently. Everyone has their own right. workflow, their own habits. What one producer does is completely different than someone else. And and it's a fascinating like duct taping of things together to make it work, especially as technology advances you either learn the new stuff or you stick to your guns kind of uh, approach of making beats how did you what was like the early equipment that you were using because i'm i always wanted to be the rizza but i didn't know where to start i didn't have the funds <laughs> and now at 40 you know i made an investment to like i'm 40 i either gotta go for it or i don't and you know, so I bought a machine right. uh, Mark III, and I and I'm spending tons of yeah. hours just trying to figure it out and getting help from from friends. What? How did you start? When? How? What was cutting your teeth in this like at that point where we're, there was no YouTube, there was no none of that going on? Yeah. Well, so one thing that was a game changer back then was this program. I don't know if you remember, if everybody remembers, but there was a company called Sonic Foundry. Yes. They were actually based out of Madison, where I'm from, and they made a program called Acid. And Acid was a yep. multi-track recorder. It was very slick at the time, and it was amazing for sample-based music. And I was fucking around with, you know, like a little DJ sampler and a little drum machine and trying to do that shit like the, the old school way at that point. But the, the Acid just made it so easy to drop in samples, drop in beats. And so that's what me and my friends were doing. And then we were recording within that program. Um, and that was a big deal at that point, because that was, to me, that was where the fans took the music back. Now I th we see that more than ever. I think every fan that buys Loretta release is making music in their closet. I swear to God, they're either a producer or a rapper or, you know, they want to own their own label, which is great. Back then, that was very rare. Um, and Acid was the first doorway to fans being able to make their own music, at least from what I could see. Um, so gear-wise back then, I mean, I had gear, but the gear wasn't important. Gear became more important to me later when I came back into doing this five years ago. Now I'm more of a gearhead, but back then, honestly, I can't say that I was like a dedicated NPC guy because I couldn't afford it. Yeah, I mean, that was fucking two grand back then on the low. And like you said, no YouTube videos. You were working straight from manual. Um, it was a yeah. different time. And I, did, I didn't know anything. I spent like two Gs at 14 years old from scrapping up money from summer 
to buy turntables because I figured that's what you needed to do. You get turntables and you yeah. make mixes and you learn. I didn't know that I that's probably wasn't what I should have been doing because I broke them shits the first day because I bought the wrong type of turntables and snapped it back. <laughs> and I snapped them shits as soon as I did it. And I'm like, oh, something's wrong here. I can't be the RZA. Right. I don't know what he did, right. but I did something wrong. And that that was deflating because well, I couldn't come. I couldn't find two G's out of nowhere. I, and that story for me is crazy. Going up the block, going to my local music store, getting two turntables. They kind of look at me and put it in a shopping cart and strolling back home thinking I'm going to be the RZA. And then uh, they don't quite work out that way. But no, I could do RZA meditation uh, LPs. I could do that since that's the new thing RZA likes to do. That I'll go on a rant on that in a different episode, but I could do those. Uh, how was like when you were like scraping things up and how, how, what was the learning process like for you? Well, so back then, I mean, this is what I, I always like to talk about. It's the difference of making, selling and distributing music back then versus now. Um, I mean, I'm, an, I'm pushing 40 brother and i remember a time when there was no real internet i mean we had internet but it wasn't the internet we know today there was no streaming music there was no band camp there wasn't even myspace for god's sake so um i mean you were literally scraping up every cent you had to press cds uh you were really fortunate if you could afford to press vinyl back then because you had to make at least a thousand copies and even cds you had to press a shit ton and then you were selling them on consignment. You were standing on the street corner trying to sell them. You were pushing them to everybody you yep. met. Mom and pop shops. I mean, Can you just hold it for us? It was a fucking it battle. Yep. And, and the other thing, too, is you were pretty much stuck to your scene. You were relegated to your world. So if you were fortunate to be one of the acts that got to open for whatever touring rap group was in town, then you had some sort of an in. But if you weren't in with that promoter, you were fucked. I mean, you were playing little parties. You were playing. I did shows as a rapper at a sushi restaurant. Like they they would have like a rap night on Thursdays. Like that was that's what you were relegated to. So now it's crazy. I don't think it's important about where you're from or where you're located at. Um, I guess if you're a street rapper, it can help your credibility a bit. But everybody has a platform now. Everybody has an opportunity to get their voice out and. You know, that was one of the things I think that made Loretta magical to me when I came back five years ago was that now there's a platform to build this. There's people. You just have to build it and they will come. Yeah. And I think that's what we found. Hip hop is in an interesting place because we've seen it growing up, maybe a little more me than you. But you were almost the same age. We've seen it growing up and we could tell where the different sounds and certain sounds tell us what decade it was. And we know right. by production where the sound and what was going on at that time period. And that that's always been a fascinating uh, thing about how hip hop has aged and how the cycle of hip hop and 40 years is young, but now this level of hip hop now has kids in it. And now those kids are rebelling like any other kids would. And, and this it's an interesting lifespan of, of hip hop. But now we have some beautiful things like, Hip hop has subgenres, and you can have a subgenre of hip hop that's more to your speed. I can like my boom bat, and it's it's and it's cool. 
you can like your trap, and that's cool too. And then there's some other shit that we can't even classify because it's just out there. Is is that part of the hip hop a growth? The mentality that's out there, there's so many different types of hip-hop. Is that a challenging thing to negotiate when you're out there trying to sell music and, and make music? Because obviously we want to make music that we're close to. But in terms of like trying to at least get some revenue, some beer money coming in, is that <laughs> something to that that you think about? So definitely. And I, I guess, you know... I've seen a lot of labels pop up in the last few years that I feel like were more or less modeled based on what I was doing and what yeah. some of the other guys before me were doing. And I, my message to everybody is that I always thought about myself as the consumer because when I came back to this scene five years ago, I, I came into the beat tape scene. And so I, I came as just a fan. I was just buying beat tapes from little internet producers I liked, people I'd never heard of. But I would discover on Bandcamp, I'd buy their cassette. Um, and then I got into Griselda and saw the the new wave coming back with Conway and Westside and was buying their releases on vinyl through Pierce label. And and so when I created Loretta, to me, it was always what would I want to purchase as a fan? What would I like to see? You know, the reason that we were one of the first cassette labels to put OBI strips on was because I had never seen anybody really do that before. I'd maybe seen somebody fuck with it a little bit. But never do the full Japanese translations and go all the way. And when I noticed that, like, the, the bigger labels weren't even doing it. They were doing it on the vinyl, but they weren't doing it on the tapes. I was like, well, here's something to explore. And this is something as a fan that I would want to buy. Yeah. Um, and we saw people react like crazy over it. Like, yeah. We uh, got a lot dude, of attention very quick. I had to make it, like, within my own financial budget. I'm like, I can't do that. OBs, I can't, I can't do the OBIs. It's just like ten dollars more. Like I can't do it. I'll do these, you know. So, but that's an interesting trend because even that was like I never remembered them growing up, and I was looking at all my no. other older older vinyls. And I'm like, when did this trend happen? One, I can't buy everything. So, for the for the people who do listen. If you release your vinyls during tax season, you have a good chance of getting my money. I'm just saying. If you release it around Christmas, I just can't do it, my dude. I got four kids. I got a wife. I got to put them first. But if you do it during tax season, man, I'll tell you, you I'll get the whole catalog. Cause I, I owe, This tax one, I OD'd. I got like... 35 records in one day, just ordering, boom, 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 boom. Oh so I was like, just go, bring them in, bring them in, let's go. Um, when you're thinking about when you started Loretta and the resurgence is there, you're getting back into it. And I would imagine it's a little like me, like falling out of love, falling back in love, being jaded, being in, intrigued with the new sounds. There's always this, this pull with older uh, listeners when did the idea of starting Loretta begin and what was the beginning stage of, of what you wanted it to be? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that because that's where I think the story, our story as a label gets interesting and it might be different um, than some others. So I was asleep, man, for years. Like after, I'd say about 2004, 2005, I stopped listening to rap 
anything new that was coming out, both in the underground and the mainstream. And I wasn't a fan of the synthesizer based music that was coming out in the mainstream, which was sort of a response, I think, to uh, people getting jacked on sample prices. And uh, there's a whole history behind why the the sound changed, but also the underground artists that I was fans of. I just I'm not going to name names, but I'm going to say there's people that I really loved and I just it was slipping away and it wasn't for me anymore. And I was only really listening for like 10 years, the same shit I'd been listening to growing up. I wasn't checking out anything new. Um, what woke me up was about five years ago. I got a call early one morning from a, a friend of mine that a close friend of ours, my friend, DJ soul twist, who was my, my DJ when I was a rapper at the time and I was performing, he had been killed. Um, in like a, a very strange carjacking scenario where they killed both his dogs and they killed him. Um, and that, that really fucked me up. And it was one of those weird things where you go through grief. And at first I don't, I, we hadn't talked in a couple of years and I, I didn't know if I was angry and then I was upset and then I was really sad and I went to his funeral and like a month later I had this weird compulsion to start, collecting vinyl again um and as i was collecting the vinyl and i was really collecting it from a from a listener standpoint like just winding it back into listening to music and collecting records but you can't help it old habits come back and you're collecting these records and you get these ideas like oh, what if i sampled that what if i looped this what if i did that and so then i went on ebay and i ordered uh, an mpd which is like the uh the trigger version of an mpc um, and started making beats and bought like a cheap version, a trial version of Ableton. And those early, like me fucking around making beats led to Spirit Driven, which was my first beat tape. And I felt like at that time it was my way of working through the grief, I guess, of us coming up as friends and the nostalgia that I had. Um, and I put that tape out and I had to press 30 tapes. And then so after you press 30 tapes, any new musician will tell you you're you're then dealing with selling 30 tapes and so you have to go out on the internet and start hustling and i became obsessed with how to hustle those fucking tapes and so i I tried to get creative and i networked and i met different beat tape people and then i kept making beat tapes and i made getting down with sounds and that one did pretty good and then i did jazz brain and jazz brain did really good um we sold a lot of those and then um, that's where things got even weirder, where I started getting the attention, I guess, of other people. Um, and I wanted to, I, I knew I was getting good at marketing music, so I wanted to help other artists. So I found this artist that I had met, a SoundCloud artist named Jazz, and I wanted to release his music on cassette. But I knew that a lot of the beat tape, like the cassette collectors didn't really know who he was because he was a SoundCloud guy. So I wanted to help him stand out. So for his first tape release, that is when we rolled out the OBIs and we did the two different color variants. And all of a sudden, I have Mass Appeal, you know, talking to me. And I have Hey from um, would soon be City Yard Records reaching out to me. And and that was really what got the rolling. That first Hayes tape, you know, really caught my attention because once we dropped that and that sold 24 hours, I was like, oh, shit, there's something to this world this rap game coming back and this whole resurgence of underground music. People are looking, people you know, are paying that's attention. What the most. Oh, people were fucking paying attention, man. Like 
that was one thing that it told me is that I don't need to hustle a beat tape for a month and a half when I can put out a rap tape and the fans show up within five minutes. Yeah. Um, like for even for know. me in the podcast game, I I see our numbers; they're good, but I don't under, I don't I don't compute that as anything. I do this because I love to do it, just like you do. We do it; we're compulsive in that way. We're gonna do it. It's a part of our muscle memory, a part of our DNA. Of course, we want to get big, we want to get established, but we we we're, we're gonna do it. We get stressed if we don't. Um. So, but it's like sometimes I run into situations like, oh, people actually know me from the show. That's a weird feeling. It's a yeah, very it's a weird, weird feeling. Like I had no intentions of ever talking to anyone or talking to any of the artists that that I cover. Like the fact that I go to Danielson's show and he goes up to me and was like, "You're from the podcast." I'm like, "That's weird to me. That's weird." And it's like I don't know how to even grasp at that because for a lot of people like these underground cats for us we consume their content so much that they're a part of our everyday walk so it's a little weird for me have you run into that with some of the records you produce because with since you've been doing the observe since you've been working with a lot of different artists in the scene um and i haven't been able to lock down one of those vinyls because every time i go they're gone uh (laughs) Is there, is there, have you had moments where you reached out to artists like this is really happening? You know, it's, yeah, I mean, I was on the phone with Benny the Butcher one Friday night. Um, you know, he wanted to know where the rest of the money was I owed him, which was a reasonable question. So, but it was just strange to have, and he was, dude, he's the nicest guy ever. Like, we had a great conversation. It doesn't even, it was more or less like, hey, um, what's going on with my release? And and then he went into this whole story about his week and everything he'd experienced and him coming up. And it was just crazy to be like, I'm on the phone with Benny the Butcher right now. I'm on the phone with, like, Griselda's hottest up-and-coming artist. Like, this is mind-blowing. Um, so to have those weird, surreal moments like that, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's definitely for the memory bank. Oh, for sure. I, I have them all. I, it's it's just weird. I, I, wish, I think we wouldn't think because we're in this role where like we're coming in as fans, just trying to make something work, but we never plan to really know where it will lead. And when it leads there, we're like, oh, it's kind of a daze at times. Loretta's been going strong for years. What's the process with getting the records on to or out to the public because you have quite a catalog underneath the label um things from fast life one of my favorite projects sleep sinatra definitely one of my favorite projects uh jamil and honest honestly saving that record from vinyl doom thank you very much i appreciate that um there's a lot of records under there that are like must have in collector's um, collection, what, how, what's the process in getting to you and to the record and what's the process look when you want to release something? So, I mean, it's, there's so many different variables like fast life. Him and I have been talking for years. Um, I don't even know. He found me. I don't even know how he found me. He found me as a producer 
And I don't even know if he knew that I was Loretta Records at that point. Um, and I produced a little one-off joint for him. And then we started talking and I became a fan of his music. Um, Sleep I had known about for years. And it was just about finding the right release for him. Um, you know, for me, the one thing that I always look at, and again, this comes back to being a collector, I look at several phases of how I feel a fan would uh, react to a release. So the first thing is album art. It's the first thing you see. Um, if your album art is great going out the gates and we don't have to pay to have it redesigned, that's a huge plus. It's the first thing a fan sees. Next thing they, 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 they I guess, feel is the production, the beats. Production is very important. Um, album theme. I can't stress how much I'm sick of everybody doing the same Sopranos related gangster bullshit. If it's, if it's real hard and it's real, real, I like it. There's a lot of bullshit. Uh, so we always look for unique themes. Uh, like for example, um, Jay Nice's loud pack from Paris. Like as soon as I heard and, and saw and felt that album, I was like, this is, this is different. This is something we want to do. Um, you know, VHS is, L.A. La Macardo, yep. another great album, great theme. When I when I always do my projects, that's how I always look at it. Is yep, you know what is what is the fan going to experience? And honestly, lyrics are extremely important. But if you're, you know, you have some whack ass art and you have beats produced by some buddy up the street who nobody's heard of, and we're probably not going to put it out. You know, that yep. is it's got to be a complete package. Um, me, me and Kalina talk about know. that all the time. Like, there's some good music, but if you don't have everything around it to show me, give me the full experience that I'm looking for, especially if you're going to get my money. Um, right. That is so important. I always felt with Loretta, I always felt that experience was like, especially when I, like, Especially like special records, like I really, really love the Sleep Sleep Sinatra and and Custodian record. I really love that record because how different it is, the sound, the art. Tim did a great job on the on the art, you know, and just knowing that those are the people that are working on some of these projects is like, oh, Tim's doing it, got it. Oh, Custodian's getting it, boom. Oh, Loretta's putting it out, got it. So. It's like a branding signature of excellent kind of thing going on with Loretta, which I feel is, is sometimes seems unique because a lot of people, a lot of other people put things out there, but the experience is not, I don't get the same experience, even if I like that record. How do you package that? How do you put that out? How do you... What what are the ways you measure that? Because you must have an ear and an eye for it. So I've been blessed that in the early days, I had people to help me with that. Um, I had Spectacular Diagnostics out of Chicago. Um, I mean, he was, doing, he was doing tracks with West Side Gun before people didn't even know who West Side Gun was. Um, and he was picking who was going to be the next hot thing before anyone else really had their ear to it. In fact, the only reason we put out Prime Apple's debut on cassette is because I asked him, who should we put out? And he said, well, fuck rap, you know, has this guy Prime Apple. They put out a CD, but no one's doing the tape. And he sent me a video of him doing a freestyle. I can't remember. It was some morning show. But I was, I was like, yeah, this is our guy. Um, so I had him in the early days. 
because I had been asleep for a while, like yeah. we talked about. I had Jordan Commander, who um, now you know is the is the editor for our magazine and also doing a bunch of stuff, uh, his own projects. So he was helping me. But these last this last year, it's been essentially me. And again, I'm just always looking for people that I know that are doing great work. But I want that one special project, that one project that I know my fans are going to respond to. Um, the one thing is, it doesn't sound like you caught uh, the recent announcement that we're not I releasing. Did. Oh, I have. Oh, oh you I did. Have. Okay. Oh, I have. I wasn't sure if you caught I have. That. I, 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 well, we're there. Uh, I wanted to celebrate before I ask the question of Loretta is, is uh, no longer in, in the space of releasing records, which I was saddened a lot of us were because of the quality that was coming out. Um, no, I, I, I was aware. I just want to romanticize the experience for a little bit before okay. I, I drink my right. sorrows uh, away. I'll be happy to hug you. And please send me an yeah. ear hug because the shipping and yeah. handling from Loretta was fantastic. Not so much with everybody else. So that's one of the yeah, main not for reasons. Yeah, people overseas, but for you. For me, it was <laughs> fantastic. For every yeah. every other vinyl I get, it's like almost close to the purchase price of the vinyl. So where where is Loretta now? The announcement has been made wonderfully, by the way, because it was also that was done in tremendous fashion as well. Um. Where 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 did that come from? Where's your mindset with that? What led to that decision? You know, um, I started to feel like I wasn't doing it for the right reasons anymore, and it was becoming a job. And you get to a point where, when you wake up in the morning and what you're thinking about is shipping records and who's the next artist you're going to sign, and is the release going to be successful? And are we keeping up with the Joneses and what everybody else is doing? It got to be a bit much. And um, I wasn't even, a, I mean, I'll be honest. I was that guy that, you know, when one of my favorite artists dropped a new album, I had to go buy it and listen to it. And I wasn't that guy anymore um, because I was making the music. I was physically pressing it and shipping it. And that removes you from it to a certain degree. And it felt icky. Uh, and it was also making me insane. So, you know, and I, there's a lot of people doing what I was doing now. So let them do it. Um, we, we might come back. And, um, you know, the other thing too, is a lot of the people that were involved with me in the early days, of the label had moved on and it was just essentially me in the end doing everything. And that's a lot. Yep. So at this stage, um, you're going to see, you know, instrumental stuff for me you're gonna see me do some rap projects this night i can't talk about yet yeah. um maybe i'll come back to doing stuff i feel like if loretta ever does come back to pressing other people's music again it's gonna be bigger than before um I'd like to come back you know we were always sort of the smaller underdog label that was just doing small limited edition the boutique label to come back and maybe compete the Euro label, the fuck raps, the tough tongues. But at this point, I'm not ready for that. Um, and so I think it's better to take a step back. back for now. Yeah, take a step back, 
see where the market is in a few years. See if your your heart your heart's in it. Even with the podcast thing, I know it sounds easy just to get up and talk, but listen, like I told, like I told you before, we went on the air. Man, I'm tired, and I gotta edit this right afterwards, and I gotta post it, and I gotta <laughs> write the bio, which I hate doing, and I gotta make the artwork, and I gotta do this, and you know, I'm, I don't have my team do those things because I'm kind of like. I'm just just the engine of it, you know. I just do it, but it's tough. You gotta show up. You gotta show up, and it's like sometimes I like yeah. I don't, I don't, um, and that that's when I started relating to Lauren Hill because I've been bashing her on the show for years, and then I'm like, once I started doing this, I started realizing sometimes you don't want to sing. You gotta get no. geared up to sing, and that's sometimes, how I feel sometimes. Sometimes you just gotta get out there with your acoustic guitar and scream at the audience psychotically. Correct, yeah. and I'm like, damn it, I'm, yeah. she's still not gonna get my money for shows. But no. I understand her now, so I'm a little sympathetic. So you know, I think that you know, I think for for Loretta, I think it's been a really good stretch. Um, there's definitely a lot of good labels out there putting some stuff out there. Definitely, Tough Kong is one of my my favorite um, in terms of quality. Um, but you know, I'm glad the door is not fully closed, but the, the hip hop has a lot of thank yous to give you. Cause you did set the trend for a lot of things that we all enjoy. Now the, the constant quality work, the ear for things, the, just the service in itself. Uh, I have a lot of those physicals in my possession and, you know, so for me and a lot of people that I know buy your stuff, we want to thank you for those things because that's important to us as hip-hop fans. We like to have high-quality things that we can pass along to our kids. That's important to me. And my kids do listen to my records. They do vibe to them. And, and that means a lot to me versus a streaming thing. I'm still going to do the streaming because it's easier for me to travel with, but... I do like the physicals. Thank you for the Fast Life 2 record, by the way. I appreciate that. Move. Yeah, well, I'm glad you got it. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's weird. When I when I said my goodbye, it was nice to see everybody respond so positively. Um, it's been a strange ride. And, uh, you know, especially since I'm out in the Midwest and I've only made it out to the East Coast on a few occasions, you know, and I've never been to where a lot of our fan base is in Europe. Um, it's just you get isolated and you forget that people care. And so to hear everybody acknowledge that something happened and that they cared about it and they want to share with their kids, that's great. So, yeah, for sure. We appreciate you. Shout out to Ambrosia as well, who announced that they're, they're, they're closing down today as well a pioneer in, in hip-hop for many 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 years and uh, they're one of the first big outlets that shouted shouted me and and Kalina and Sir love day out for our content that we put out and that was a very uh, surreal experience because we did you know people you look up to reach out to you and say hey you're good you're doing good stuff keep doing it we noticed and you know tipping of the hat goes a long way in this community so we appreciate that so loretta i tip my hat to you good sir um go go check out his newest beat tape right now on bandcamp warts and all available right now um go check out the back catalog still there um if you're interested in getting the vinyls good luck 
good luck because most of that stuff is 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 gone. You might find them in you, this. You can go out to this card and spend a couple hundred dollars. Spend a couple of hundred yeah, dollars. You can open up that retirement. I plan account. to. Uh, there's the one that I'm that I missed. Um, yeah, this was a tragic one, uh, but I, I, I'll get it eventually. Was the Hobgoblin and and honestly, uh, murder, uh, martyr music. I love that record. I did buy that record, but not from Loretta. I won't go into that story. Everybody heard me rant about that. Um, but it got released, and I missed it. And uh, but I'm gonna get it because I love that record, um, and I know it's gonna be dope when I have it in my hands. So shout out to you um, if you're new to the show. Consider subscribing. Hit the links below. Um, go check out the catalog from Loretta and Observe Since. Go check up our YouTube video up now with V Don. Um, the link is below. If you're gonna be in Boston, March 21st, the Family Affairs show with Brown Bag Money, Danielson, Asan, Future Wave, um, The Cloth, Riggs, Mooch, um, Mav, Rob Gates, Al Davino, Estinac, Rome Street. More people that I'm probably forgetting. They're all going to be there. We're going to be there with them. We're going to be recording, so come check out. The bodyguard will be in the building as well, so come say hi to us. Yeah, we might have some free merch for you guys as well, so come say we're limited run, so so come some say come say hi. And shout out to Money Miz. Shout out to Luca Cage. Go check them out in the Fuck You podcast. Crush a lot podcast cheese. We'll catch you in the next one.